seen somebody quote the words of Jesus from Matthew 7 and say, do not judge. Well, now it's true that Jesus said, do not judge, but there's more to that statement and there's more to what um, kind of meets the eye in this one. So let's take a look at it together and let's, let's try to see what Jesus was saying whenever he said the words, do not judge. Like I already said, they came from Matthew chapter 7, and this is kind of the last chapter of the Sermon on the Mount. So let's take a look at it together. In Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 and 2, Jesus said, Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Now, as you look at it at first, you know, about the only part that usually gets quoted is just that first phrase, Do not judge. Maybe sometimes people will go into that second part about, Or you too will be judged. So, you know, the idea is, Well, you better not judge me, so that that way you won't be judged. But is that really what Jesus is saying? Because pay attention to verse 2. Verse 2, I think, sheds a whole lot of light on what Jesus was talking about here because he makes that statement, in the same way that you judge others, you will be judged. Oh, okay, so now let's start thinking about it because he is mentioning 
if you judge people in a certain way, then you'll be judged in that same way. In fact, some of the parables of Jesus himself have the king, who I would say would most of the time be either Jesus or God, and they kind of pronounce judgment based on how the servants act. And we would be the servants. We would be the disciples, you know, in those parables. So sometimes our judgments that are given by God are even kind of delivered to us in, in something to do with the way that, you know, we kind of judge others and how we treated other people. And God sometimes gives us exactly what we ask for, exactly, you know, what we want. He's done this in, in many times about kind of pronouncing judgment this way. In fact, if you look at all, all the way back in the book of Exodus, that, you know, we might see that when you go through the 10 plagues, you know, some of those might seem a little odd or a little random. Each one of them had a very specific purpose. And then you look at that final one about death of the firstborn, and that one had everything to do with what Pharaoh in Egypt had already been stating to Israel. Because they were saying death to the firstborn of God. And God says, he kind of flips that judgment and brings it upon them. God constantly does this throughout history. So here we do have a warning by Jesus about the same way that you judge others, you will be judged. But pay close attention to the very last part. It says, and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Well, I want you to think about something. I've got here uh, a ruler. This is actually kind of a, a big ruler. It's it's uh, not just a foot. It's actually two feet long. And you can see that it's got the little the little markings right there. And uh, you know, have you ever uh, talked with somebody who has maybe gotten a ruler before that was off? You know, I've heard of this happening. I've never seen it before. But I've also maybe like seen pictures of rulers that were made, and the the inches weren't the same. <laughs> How could you possibly use such a thing? You know, if your if your ruler, if your measure is messed up, how are you going to be able to to accurately uh, do the things that you need to do to to measure things out? And here Jesus speaks about the way uh, that you measure. Then it's going to be measured to you. Well, might I kind of bring this up for food for thought? I guess. What if the measure that you use is God's word, what God has said? Then actually, whenever he says, do not judge or you too will be judged, and the same way you judge others, you'll be judged. But if you use the measure of God's word and it's going to be measured to you, then, you know, isn't that already true? Doesn't that just make sense? In fact, I do not believe that Jesus is saying right here that there is no time whatsoever for a judgment call. We need to be careful the types of judgments, though, because there are different types of judgments. And unfortunately, you can't always just look at these words that are used right here because the word judge, it could mean that you're condemning somebody or it could just mean that you're making a choice. You know, it could just be something very minor or it could be something very serious. It's those serious judgments, especially, that God does forbid us as humans to make on one another because that's God's place. You know, there's different ways of looking at judgment in the Bible. And uh, definitely one lesson that we see is there is going to be a final day of judgment in which God is going to judge um, all before him. Um, however, there's also other types of judgments, and we ourselves as human beings are not called to make eternal judgments on one another. And we need to pay attention. How are you judging other people? What type of measure are you using? Now, there's always this word of caution whenever you judge people. Be aware that when you judge people, you too will also be judged. Now, I've mentioned I don't think this means there is no time or place for judgment. 
Because if you keep reading, Jesus is going to say some very interesting words, doesn't he? Verses 3 through 6 of Matthew chapter 7. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. I know, that last verse, uh, it does seem a little out of place, but we'll get to that in time. In verse 3, he is contrasting these two different type of scenarios. There's this brother who has a speck of sawdust in their eye. Have you ever gotten a speck of sawdust in your eye? You know, I mean, it can be a bit of a nuisance, you know, or, or maybe even if you get like an eyelash in your eye, sometimes those can even be a bit of a nuisance. In fact, if, if you don't do something about it, sometimes they can even make your whole eye uh, red and, and cause just, you know, other problems. But a speck of sawdust most certainly could do that. And it's something that, yes, you probably do need to take care of at some point. But then he says, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye, but then you pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? Now... I think we need to understand something about the plank, you know, and kind of the scenario that's being described here, because I think there's a bit of, of humor, if you will, because it's a ridiculous scenario. Now, this word for plank, um, it's talking about a big piece of wood. Uh, right here, I've, I've got a big piece of wood. This is probably about as big as I could have on this screen, and you still be able to see it. But it's this dowel rod, and could you imagine if I had this thing coming out of my eye, and then I try to approach you, and you say, and I say to you, oh, here, let me, let me get that that speck out of your eye. Well, I mean, that's ridiculous because how could that possibly even work? I've got this huge plank coming out of my eye, which by the way, this word for plank, it would have been like a big log that would be used for building material. Uh, you know, kind of think maybe telephone pole or, you know, something like that. A big plank is what we're talking about. Obviously, Jesus is using a large word. He is exaggerating. He does this oftentimes, especially in the Sermon on the Mount, but he does it for a purpose. Yes, there's a little bit of a, of a humor to it, but it's only to point out, you know, yeah, physically speaking, we realize nobody would, would even think to do that. But yet spiritually, how many times does that happen? How many times do we not notice this plank that is sticking out of our own eye? Well, also, as you look in verse 5, notice another thing that he says here. And by the way, this gets into um, this gets into that judgment. You know what Jesus was saying about do not judge, or you too will be judged. Well, if you're judging a speck of sawdust and you have a plank in your own eye, be very, very careful. That's the type of judgment that we are not called to make on one another. Verse five, he says, "You hypocrite! First take the plank out of your own eye, then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye." You notice that Jesus is expecting the plank to be removed from your own eye. You know, it's not like you just ignore the plank and you just say, oh, okay, well, you know, since I've got a plank and you got a, a speck of sawdust, we're, you know, we're just going to go on our ways. No, deal with the plank in your own eye. And whenever you have a huge telephone pole that's sticking out of your eye, how are you possibly going to remove it? The only way to remove it, spiritually speaking, the only way to remove this plank from your own eye is to bring it to Jesus to allow Jesus to help you. And he will help take this plank out of your own, uh, your own eye. But then Jesus also says in that same verse, verse five, 
Then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Notice he doesn't just say, oh, well, since you've got the plank, ignore the speck of sawdust. No, he doesn't say that. Pay attention to the sawdust and the plank. Because if you aren't careful, both the sawdust and the plank can keep you away from God. Once again, spiritually speaking, not physically speaking, okay? This is what Jesus was getting at right here. Teaching us, be aware of what we were doing. And in verse 6, of course, he's already said don't judge, but then he is talking about these dogs and these these pigs. And the, the whole purpose behind them, different people have kind of taken this verse uh, slightly different ways, but uh, I, I will give you kind of my understanding of this. Basically, it comes down to there are some things that are sacred. There are some things that are important, and we need to be careful what we do with those things that are sacred, what we do with those things that are important, You know, whether they be pearls or something that is sacred, because a dog doesn't care about something that's sacred, and pigs don't care about pearls. Okay, They're just going to ruin them, and dogs are just going to mess up whatever is, is sacred. The point is pay attention to these important things. And pay attention to also, you know, how you would approach dogs or how you would approach pigs. And don't bring these things that, that don't belong right there before them. There is a sense in which judgment must be brought in in verse 6. But whenever it comes to people, be aware of how we are judging. Let's make sure that we take care of the plank first. But then also take care of the sawdust. Both are very important for us to pay attention to and to take care of. As we keep going, Jesus continues in the same chapter to talk about similar type things. So we're going to jump down a few more verses now. And we're going to pick up in Matthew chapter 7, verses 15 through 20 now, where Jesus says, Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. Notice this warning sign right here. Watch out for false prophets. How do you know if there is a false prophet? You know, we can't look to things that we might expect to be able to look at. You know, because you might expect that, oh, well, you could tell a false prophet because, okay, can they, um, you know, can they do great things? But if you look throughout the pages of the Bible, I mean, even whenever Moses came before Pharaoh, uh, weren't some of the uh, the magicians or the, the wise men who were there attending Pharaoh, weren't they able to do some of the uh, ten plagues? You know, maybe like the first two, something like that. They were able to do some of them, but not all of them. But, you know, they still were able to do some of them. You know, people looked at that and they could say, oh, well, these must be true prophets. No, no, no. They were false prophets. And here we are called to watch out for false prophets. They might look like they are good, but they're not. How can we tell the difference? Verse 16, by their fruit, you will recognize them. What comes from them? You know, you ever had an experience where you've where you've picked fruit from something? You, you realize that at some point... You know, something can happen to a tree, and it's just kind of diseased. It's, it's messed up. That fruit that you get from that tree is always going to be somewhat messed up. And here we see that the fruit 
that comes from these false prophets. That's how you're going to be able to tell. Even in the Old Testament, one of the things to see if a prophet, uh, if their words were true and really from the Lord, or if they were false, was to test them, to see. Did they come about or did they not come about the way that the prophet said it? If the words could not come about the way the prophet said it, those words didn't come from God. It was a false prophet. By their fruit, what comes from them. Yes, we're not talking about a physical you know, apple or anything like that. We're talking about the things that they produce. Look at the actions. Look at the things that come from different prophets, and you'll be able to tell whether or not someone is a false prophet. And you see this, this the bad tree is only going to be producing this bad fruit, and a good tree is going to produce good fruit. You can recognize a true or a false prophet by their fruit. God already knows these things, of course. But for us, we sometimes do have to make a little bit of a judgment call here to be able to see, okay, is this person really following the Lord or are they not? God knows, and he even talks about the sense of the final day of judgment. There's going to be some things that surprise some people. But by their fruit, right here and right now, you can recognize the false prophets. Jesus continues on in this sermon. In verses 21 through 23, and he, he says this warning, that not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, and in your name drive out demons, and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. It doesn't have to do with, with how many things are, are done in a certain name and all this stuff. What matters is, what about the fruit? Look at the fruit. You will be able to tell the, the, uh, whether or not that prophet is a false prophet or a true prophet. Now, I want to change shift just a little bit because now we've kind of come to the pretty much the end of the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus has given these warnings. He's given the warnings about judgment. He's given the warnings about looking at the speck in someone's eye. And he's given the warnings about looking at the fruit of the prophets who are around us. Now, whenever it comes to judgment and judgment calls, as you know, this passage deals a whole lot with, I want to share with you one of my favorite passages about judgment. As I've already stated in this video, there are numerous ways that God speaks about judgment throughout the Bible. Yes, we know that there is going to be a day of judgment. And that's why even Jesus says right here that not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, is going to enter the kingdom of heaven. It's only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. We need to examine ourselves. Are we doing the will of our heavenly Father? Well, there's going to be a day in which every single one of us will stand before the judgment seat of God, and we must give an account for the things that we've done, whether or not we have followed the will of our heavenly Father. But now... I want to also tell you another type of judgment that happens that I believe is also very important for us to pay attention to. And that is the way that John's gospel talks about judgment. And specifically, a certain passage I want to share it with you. It's from John chapter 3. We all know John 3.16, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And you might think at first, well, what does this have to do with judgment? You know, it has a whole lot to do with mercy and grace, doesn't it? Yeah, well, so does judgment, okay? And the justice of God, it is balanced out with this grace and mercy of our Heavenly Father. But I take us to this passage 
not so much just to focus on John 3.16, but how much do we pay attention to what follows as well? Verses 17 through 21 of John 3 state, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already, because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. So we see this way that John speaks about judgment. In verse 18, he says that whoever believes in him, believing in God, believing in Jesus, the one who was sent, is not condemned. But whoever does not believe stands condemned already. Now there is one sense of judgment that we already recognize it right here on this earth. Are we following God? Are we doing the will of our Heavenly Father? And connected with that, are we walking in the footsteps of Jesus Christ? He not only preached great sermons like the Sermon on the Mount, but he practiced what he preached. He followed in the footsteps that were the perfect footsteps for us to follow. It's up to us as to whether or not we love light enough to follow him. Yes, along the journey, some things might be revealed that we would maybe rather leave in the darkness. But it is worth it to keep following Jesus, to keep walking in the light just as he is in the light. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. The choice is up to us because whoever does not believe stands condemned already. So, I ask you the question, where do you stand? Come without money, come without price. Jesus has made the great sacrifice. Gladly he suffered our Calvary. He the great call, salvation is free. Here's his call so tenderly. Incline thine ear and come unto me. Be close, 